Hello and welcome to Feedstuff Swine Healthline, brought to you by FarmGate. I'm your host, Andy Vance. Thanks for joining us. Our attention is often focused on epidemic agents such as PERS or PED, or the constant threat of foreign animal diseases such as African swine fever. But today we're switching gears and talking about an ever-present challenge posed by endemic bacterial agents such as Streptococcus suis and Glacerella parasuis and jeopardize herd health, compromise animal well-being, and drag down performance potential. Our guest today is Dr. Maria Clavio, a research assistant professor at Iowa State University and a health assurance veterinarian with the Pig Improvement Company. Dr. Clavio will talk about trends that show an increase in the diagnosis and detection of certain bacterial pathogens, and she'll also explain how whole genome sequencing helps identify different pathogen strains, opening the door to more effective disease control programs. Professor, I want to start in the top of the page with an explanation of the different types of bacteria you focus on in your research, and then the specific challenges those pathogens can cause to the producer. The pathogens that we're interested in generate a significant impact on the pig's health and well-being and the productivity of the farm. Not only that, but they also represent primary drivers for antimicrobial use. These agents are endemic, meaning they're present in every farm. However, specific disease-associated strains, management and environmental conditions, and host immunity determine the expression of systemic disease outbreaks on farms. So in other words, controlling these agents requires the consideration of all of these factors. And where it all starts is with the accurate diagnosis of the agents and the identification of clinically relevant strains. This can be challenging to the due to the commensal ecology of these agents and their polymicrobial interactions. So specifically, the agents that I'm interested in uh, would be Streptococcus suis, Glacerella parasuis, Mycoplasma hyorhinus, and Actinobacillus suis. Specifically, Streptococcus suis is an encapsulated gram-positive coccus first reported in the 1950s. While in the Western side of the world, strep suis is considered a key bacterial agent of pigs, in Southeast Asia, for example, it is also considered an important zoonotic pathogen, causing meningitis in humans with close contacts to, to pigs and pork products. In terms of disease, strep suis causes meningitis, arthritis, septicemia, bronchopneumonia, and endocarditis, mainly in pigs five to 10 weeks of age. Now, the other bug that I'm gonna focus on today is Glacerella parasuis, or GPS, which was formerly known as Haemophilus parasuis. It is a gram-negative bacteria and is the causative agent of Glasser's disease, characterized by meningoencephalitis, polycerositis, and polyarthritis, mainly in pigs between four to eight weeks of age. Thinking about the different tools that we have available to us, um, I, I want to think about diagnostic data for a minute. Are there are there trends that we should be aware of, or, or maybe I should ask it this way, what are the current trends you're seeing in diagnostic data across the U.S.? Yeah, that's a very common question, Andy. And we get that from a lot of strine practitioners across our industry. And it isn't necessarily an easy one to answer. The complex nature of diagnostic submissions, meaning we receive samples from multiple pigs, potentially affected by different agents that cause similar disease and at different stages of disease, in addition to the variation in submission of, of cases across the industry, make it difficult to estimate the burden of disease in our industry. However, 
we wanted to understand how frequently we were detecting and diagnosing these agents at the ISU Veterinary Diagnostic Lab. So my student, Dr. Ana Paula Silva, analyzed 10 years of complex diagnostic data. So what the data show was a substantial increase in the annual detection and disease diagnosis for both of these agents. For example, we observed a significant increase over time of arthritis cases associated with strep suis, as well as significant increase of polycerositis cases caused by G. parasuis, mycoplasma hyorhinus, and actinobacillus suis. Now, you're probably wondering the reasons of this potential um, increase, and it's likely going to be multifactorial, all need further clarification and study. Uh, but from a data perspective, the rise may reflect a recent optimization in data management and standardization of disease diagnostic codes across major U.S. veterinary diagnostic labs. When we look at the industry from an industry perspective, the rise could be attributed in part due to a sow herd expansion that occurred in the U.S. between 2015 and 19, which meant farms with younger, less immune sows producing potentially less immune piglets more susceptible to disease. Around the same period, the industry lowered its use of antimicrobials, which could have been previously controlling these agents. But the increase could also reflect simply an increase in veterinarians submitting cases. And finally, from a pathogen perspective, the increase could be due to changes in the prevalence of an agent or the dissemination of more pathogenic variants. And a clear example of that is the highly pathogenic ST1 strain of strep suis, which was previously believed to be at a lower prevalence in the U.S., with recent reports highlighting now its ample distribution across the U.S. swine industry. Looking at the diagnostic question, I want to zero in a little bit on one component of that, and that's sampling. For you as somebody who really is steeped in this data, how important is sampling to the diagnostic results? Effective sampling is one of the critical first steps in disease control. And one of the biggest learnings from our research, research has been realizing the importance of a systematic and repeatable approach to the diagnostic process. Data from our research suggests that when we fail at collecting properly the samples or undersample a flow, this can lead to either getting the wrong strain or simply missing entirely the disease-causing strains in the herd. So it is critical that we select the right pigs and from those collect the right aseptically collected samples. Remember, we need to avoid selecting pigs that are treated with antimicrobials because that will minimize our chances of isolating the bacteria. We should also avoid using blunt force trauma or captive bolt as euthanasia methods in meningitis cases because these methods can introduce contaminant bacteria to the tissues. It is also important that we target acutely infected pigs that are showing CNS signs, abdominal breathing, or coughing fever and lameness. And then for improved chances, we recommend two or three pigs per flow or site. And just keep in mind that it will likely require more than one visit to get those clinically relevant strains, especially if we're dealing with a GPS case, for example. When we look at the sample collection process for strep suis and GPS, pathologists in general prefer the intact head for cases with CNS signs over CSF or prefer CSF over meningeal swabs since they cannot confirm disease by just detecting the agent on that sample. 
For polycerositis or septicemia cases, they recommend collecting serosal surfaces, fibrin, which is actually really good for GPS, and vegetative uh, heart valve lesions in the case of strep suis, and systemic organs such as lymph nodes or spleen. For lameness cases, ideally sending the intact limbs provides the highest chance of isolating the organisms, but you can also send synovial fluid and tissue. Um, again, avoid sending in the brain since it could be easily contaminated during the sampling process. And finally, lungs and upper respiratory samples are not appropriate to diagnose septicemia and should be avoided. At the VDL, Andy, we are committed to providing our clients with educational materials that helps them improve sample collection. So we partnered up with the Swine Medicine Education Center, also known as SMEC, at ISU, and with the support from National Port Board and PIC, we created educational materials, such as short videos demonstrating how to collect these samples, and also infographics that you can find on the ISU's VDL website. There's a ton of really useful information, and it's so important. And moving from sampling to something else that really has me curious, how is whole genome sequencing changing the face of diagnostics and, and what we can learn? Sure. So we talked about the complexity of these pathogens and the factors that trigger disease. Therefore, control of these agents requires a multifaceted approach. Because whole genome sequencing offers in-depth information about each strain we analyze, it is considered a more discriminatory diagnostic tool compared to other traditional typing tools such as serotyping. In other words, we obtain information that can be integrated in different parts of disease control programs. And we can divide them in four big buckets. Number one would be autogenous vaccine strain selection. So while the efficacy of autogenous products warrants more investigation, from the experience shared uh, from our customers, it appears that when you get the right antigen, the right amount of that antigen, and a robust adjuvant, there is good efficacy in these products. And holding them sequencing information in addition to the strain's metadata and the current knowledge of the pathogen allows us to identify the most relevant strains in a herd and improve the selection of vaccine candidates. But we can also use it for pig and gilt source mixing. So the information generated with whole genome sequencing has allowed us to improve how populations of pigs are mixed. The in-depth characterization of endemic agents from multiplier farms has allowed swine practitioners to determine the most appropriate source for their replacement gilts. Within a production system, multi-source commingling is common practice. So whole genome sequencing analysis can help determine which flows are more compatible for mixing based on their profile of endemic agents. From a surveillance perspective, the use of whole genome sequencing can allow for vast improvements in ongoing surveillance programs for these agents. For example, a baseline of current strains in a flow can be obtained and routine incorporation of clinical strains can help identify the emergence of new pathotypes and changes in prevalence, as well as support the elimination of disease-associated strains from pig populations. And finally, the distribution of AMR genes present in a strain, information that we can obtain with whole genome sequencing, and correlation with clinical and susceptibility data can help to identify the most suitable antimicrobials to use on farm and also help track changes in prevalence of resistant genes. For strep suis in particular, 
we are beginning to see how the distribution of AMR genes helps to identify the relevant strains. So for example, while counterintuitive, the strains possessing the most AMR genes or antimicrobial resistant genes are typically those considered commensal or opportunistic. As we're wrapping up our time together, Professor, I want to think about ways that we can control the type of challenges that we've been talking about together. What are some of the options that are available to the industry to control those particular bacterial challenges you've been studying? Right. So again, control of these agents will require a multifaceted approach. The first step while under an outbreak scenario is to focus on two things, diagnostic and antimicrobial treatment. Uh, on diagnostics, we want to understand what is the agent or the species causing disease? What does the susceptibility panel look like? Do we have a new strain in our herd or do we have the right one in our vaccine? And identify, identifying what's the ideal treatment plan for clinical pigs and affected groups. But when we look at strepsuous control, I like to refer to it as the immunity challenge balance which means that we need to ensure that we're providing piglets with the maximum immunity and minimizing their challenge. How do we maximize immunity? First, through autogenous vaccine and ensuring proper colostrum management. Typical vaccine is provided to gilts in the GDU and pre-ferro either one or two doses. Also, our current hypothesis is allowing piglets to become colonized during the lactation phase and while under maternal immunity will allow them to generate active immunity and be better equipped to manage the disease post weaning. So the second part of it in the immunity challenge balance is we wanna minimize challenge. And we can do this in several ways, such as managing groups all in all out, reducing environmental stress, such as temperature fluctuations, high humidity and stocking density, and ensuring proper cleaning and disinfection between groups and improving the control of viral triggers such as PERS and influenza virus. And of course, we also could evaluate the prophylactic use of oral or injectable antimicrobials. That was Dr. Maria Clavino, the research assistant professor at Iowa State University and a health assurance veterinarian with Pig Improvement Company. This is the second of a four-part podcast series about swine respiratory disease complex brought to you by FarmGate Animal Health. Call your FarmGate representative or visit farmgate.com to learn about their broad portfolio options to support your swine health protocols. And join us next week on Swine Healthline. We'll talk with Dr. Jeremy Pittman, a veterinarian from Smithfield Pork. We'll discuss the complex factors of successful disease elimination strategies and how you as a veterinarian can ask the right questions to help your customers meet their pork production goals.